This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Here we go. Let's put the scripture up straight away, Lee. Let's not be having any sleeping or sweet paper rustling. You know who you are. Right, but no. How are you? Excellent. Mark was really quick. The rest of you are on a bit of a delay. Do you know that? Good, good. Oh, like the Eurovision Song Contest. When did there's that delay? Are you all right? Now listen, this word today, a lot of it, I really, really value and appreciate what, what Carrie ann just said. Wasn't that brilliant? Because a lot of what I want to say is wrapped up in that, in that testimony, um, which is amazing and encouraging for all of us, isn't it? Don't you love it when members of our family speak to us and tell us what they're going through and how it's helped them? You know, we had John last week tell... I just love it, because it's real, isn't it? And if Jesus was interested in anything, he was interested in people. He was interested in your life, in their lives, in their social setting. He was interested in the minutiae of what constituted a human being and what they did with their lives. And that, do you know what? There's so much to love Jesus and praise him about, isn't there? But the fact that he is interested in the tiniest bit of our humdrum lives just makes me love him all the more. Because why should he care? Be honest, because I imagine he's got a lot more on his plate. No, honestly, I think God's got a lot more on his plate than worrying about my life. Do you reckon? I mean, you know, he's probably thinking, Andrea, man, will you just stop it with the prayers? I'm a bit busy with Syria at the moment. You know, but he doesn't, does he? He never says that. He says, I have loved you with an endless love. Tell me, tell me. Talk to me. Communicate with me. That's what he wants. And we have a fancy name for it, haven't we? We call it prayer. (laughs) But that's all it is, is you praising your Father in heaven. Not asking for stuff, but blessing him by acknowledging him and speaking to him. Yes? Amen. This is brilliant. And so today, what we're going to read is a parable, a story that Jesus told. What's that? What's that? (laughs) Is it me? Excellent. (laughs) Moving mountains. So it's in Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 to 12. This is the story of the bridesmaids. This version, the NIV, says virgins. Right? Virgins. Okay. In church and everything. Right? (laughs) But what they're doing, I think the Bible kind of assumed if you were a bridesmaid, you had to be one. All right, so, um, so it's just a, another word. Is that all right? Let's just read it, shall we? And ignore this awkward moment and pretend it never happened. Okay. You can say bridesmaids in your heads when I'm saying the V word if you want, okay? At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. A recurring theme through the Bible is the pursuit of wisdom and the chasing after foolishness. So bear all of this in mind. This is nothing new under the sun that Jesus is bringing to these people. These people would have heard the word preached to them in the temple endlessly. And it was all to do with whether you were foolish or wise. So five were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they became drowsy and fell asleep. You must have been a very long time. Do you know what I mean? At midnight, midnight, who gets married at midnight? This fella, right? At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. 
The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, 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 they replied, no. There may be not enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. <gasps> Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. None of you care. Look at you. <laughs> none of you care about those poor bridesmaids. Outside, in the cold, in the dark, none of you care. Shame on you. Right. Let's just crack on then, shall we? Shame on you. Tell you. Never be the same you. Right. Jesus delights, doesn't he, in the scenes of everyday life. And this is what this is. Now, to contextualise all of this, weddings were a little bit different than they are in, um, you know, 21st century Britain, obviously. So, we have a whole retinue. A whole group of people who are there ready to celebrate with the bride and bridegroom. Now, a metaphor, a recurring theme through the Bible for weddings is Jesus coming for his, the bridegroom, coming for his bride, which is the church. Yes? So all of this now, see how clever Jesus is. He is appealing to people's lives, but he's really talking about the kingdom of heaven. And he's telling them, you know what? I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back for you. And not only are we as a collection, as a collective, the church, we're also the bridesmaids, aren't we? Because we're individuals in this world. Are we? Yes, we are. So we need to be prepared as well. So this whole parable, this whole story is concerned around your preparedness. Whether you are prepared, the preparation involved for the coming of the second coming of Jesus. Amen? But where, before he comes... Is he here now? Three of you think so. Which is dashed encouraging to the rest of us. He is, isn't he? He is here now. So what are we doing to prepare ourselves to welcome him now? In our lives, are you prepared for Jesus? In your life, are you prepared for Jesus? Are you making some compromises or contingency plans just in case he rocks up? Or are you, in fact, living a life that is ushering in the glory of the living God into your life and situations? Do you see what I'm saying? So this is why it's important. It's, the parables always, always had a warning attached to them. Always. Here we see that the girls have been thrown out into the dark. They can't get back in. But there is always a thread of hope running through it all. Okay. It's your choice, is what he's saying. You can turn up prepared or not prepared. A modern-day equivalent, let's think of it as this. The torches they carried, and we're not told why they ran out of oil, or why some had oil and some didn't. We're not told any of that stuff. We're just told five took extra, five didn't. They all nodded off. Some had sputtered out, some hadn't. But the ones who had, who had it wouldn't share. Now then, in the 21st century, we'd be telling our kids off, wouldn't we? You should share that. But you know, the reality is this. Five fully charged human beings are of more use than ten half-charged. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, what you have in you, if you are prepared, you can't really share with anybody else because I can't have a relationship for you. I am not... We are to point people to Jesus, aren't we? But I am not a conduit for your relationship with Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You cannot go through me 
and your relationship with Jesus is through me. You have to have your own relationship with Jesus. Think of it like a mobile phone. Ten people turn up to the wedding to film the, the, the wedding on their mobile phone. They've all got full charge. Everyone's late. They all nod off in the church. It happens. They all wake up. Bride and groom have arrived. They go to film it, but only five have got charge left. Five have run out of charge. But five have brought their charges with them. Are you coming with me? You see where I'm going? And the other five go, lend us your chargers. And the others go, no, because if I lend you my charger, then I've only got half charge. What if it runs out? Go and buy a charger. They go out, they miss it. Do you see what I'm saying? I need to be fully charged. There's no point in you being half charged and me being half charged. I have to be fully charged. You have to be fully charged. You have to be fully charged. You get in it. You get in this. Excellent. Because the, there's a lot of theology around these parables. What oh, is me? Do you hear that? Didn't you? Do you think I, did you think I'd gone a bit mental? <laughs> when I walk here, it goes like that. I said, what is me? Sorry about that. I simply will not walk there anymore and shall stand still in the manner of a person reading the word of the Lord to you. <clears throat> okay. But this is the unexpected thing, isn't it? The surprising and unexpected thing is that Jesus tells us, Jesus, this major man of love, whose love is the bottom line for everything, tells us five don't get in. And not only do they not get in, they're told, we don't even know you. It's midnight, we're not letting strangers in, off you go. Now, none of us like to think that we're going to be excluded from the kingdom of God, do we? None of us like to think that we are going to be excluded. Similarly, we don't like to think that people we know will be excluded from the kingdom of God. But the Bible clearly tells us that they will be. Right. Everyone's on a bit of a downer. Yay, Jesus. It's, it's hard, isn't it? It's like we were saying, it's really hard to praise God for my salvation when I know people will be excluded. But the Bible clearly tells us that there will be some who will not be there. Now, the choice is... Is that going to be you? You with me? (laughs) The choice is, will that be you? You get to choose this, you see. What Jesus is presenting us with is a perfectly normal picture of everyday life. And you can choose to be in or choose to be out. Now, I am going to, in a minute, expand on this, extrapolate a bit with what I have. Look. You can dress it up. I have had revealed from this word. I think there's something else underneath it. I think it is sometimes about the end times. Oh my gosh, it's all so scary. You know, where people will be in and will be out. And no, you can't come in. Hey, other parables say they are cast out into the darkness where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. Right? So I think the bridesmaids got off pretty, pretty all right. You can't come to the party. Crack on home. You know? The others, it's like... Ah. Seriously, he didn't pull his punches. But what if we go a bit further and have a look at what's underneath all of this? You see, this is, if you're making notes, this is point one. Yes, it is. Very important. God is here. God is here. Is he here? Is he here? Is he there when you go home? Or is he only here? No, he's here, isn't he? He's in you. God is here. I think... Jesus was appealing to an audience at that time. In a, con- in a context, the people listening to this story would not have maybe assumed when Jesus said the bridesmaids who weren't prepared couldn't come to the party, they were thinking, well, that's them eternally damned. I don't think maybe they were thinking that. I think what they were thinking on the point, another point, it's like a sub-point Jesus was making is this. 
What you do is you breed disappointment into your own life and you exclude yourself from all that God has for you by being not prepared, by focusing on your lack instead of focusing on everything Jesus has for you. Yes? So let's have a think of it in those terms, if that's okay. That's the place I'm going with it. So these bridesmaids haven't been told you're going to hell. They've been told you don't get to enjoy the really brilliant party that we're all in. Why? Because you weren't prepared. And this is something I think we as Christians, we've heard a really powerful testimony this morning, haven't we? Really need to get our heads around. You see, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. So we all have lives, do we not? We all have our getting up, going about, down to earth, washing the dishes, going to work, getting in the car, lives. It is on me and you to be prepared to be Jesus in every situation in my life. My life. But if my lamp sputters out, then I am in a situation and I am not being Christ. And Christ isn't there. And I am unprepared. Are you getting this? Is this making sense? Okay, good. Because I was worried it wouldn't. The point is this. When you take your life and get on with it, we have social responsibilities, don't we? Jesus loved a party. Right? You with me? Jesus loved a party. That's why the Pharisees hated him so much. They called him a drunkard. They said he was knocking about with all the wrong people, with gamblers, with prostitutes, with the lowest of the low in society. But Jesus was there amongst them. Now, was he doing what they were doing? No, he was not. But he was there loving them. And what I'm saying to all of you is this. Not that, oh, do you know what? That gives me carte blanche to go out and go to, go to six form parties, George, I say it. Or, um, get it in, get it in, see, get it in, subliminal. Um, <laughs> Or to do whatever you do. Do you know what? Poor Joy gets it in the neck all the time. But we love you. All the rest of you, you know about Joy. You know about these young people. They're all young. We assume, oh my gosh, they'll be, oh, let's pray for them that they don't go out and get with the evils of alcohol. Let's do it. What are all of you doing behind closed doors that nobody cares about? We all want to have a little pray about the young people because we think they'll be doing awful things. Let me tell you, you adults, hey, right? We're a bunch of liars sometimes, aren't we? And we lie to ourselves. But young people are an easy target. Let's pray they don't get caught up in awful things. But for Pete's sake, don't anybody have a look at my internet history. Right? So it's easy. All of us, all of us need to check ourselves and think of that. And in our social settings, and in our socializing, and in our work settings, bear the responsibility to be Christ in that moment. Are you with me? Then your lamp is constantly full, isn't it? If it sputters out when you are... You know, we've heard this morning again, and Phyllis doing that amazing series, but it's okay not to be okay, when real horrors happen in our lives. And today is the anniversary of 9-11, isn't it? I mean, the world changed, didn't it? And should have changed and did change. You know, when you think what people are going through, I think that is, how would you hold it together? How? How would you hold it together? Well, you know what? Then the responsibility is on us to not let the trivia of our lives dictate our relationship with Jesus. Do you know what? We let the minutiae, the trivia, the pointlessness of our lives and the issues we think are issues in our lives 
detract from the glory of God. We chip, chip, chip away at God's glory with our whining until we make him this small and in this box. Is he coming through for me? Oh, no, he's not. Then I won't bother. I won't lift my hands this morning because I'm in a bit of a state about it. Do you know what? Connect and then be redirected to the God most high. Are you with me? Do you see what I'm saying about this? It isn't a case of me judging you. Right? I'd be a fool to judge you. What does John Wesley say? We must be rigorous in judging ourselves and merciful in judging others. Right? I'm not judging anyone. I'd be a fool to. But what I am saying is, time is short. Time is short and people need Jesus. I don't know some of the people you know. You don't know some of the people I know. So how are you going to minister the people I know? You know, it's not going to happen. I have to be that person in that place, don't I? You have to be that person in your place. I don't work where you work. So who's going to do it? You have to do it. It's painful. It's painful. We're praying about young people going out and telling their friends and bringing them to church all the time. What about us adults? Any of you bring anyone this morning? Come on. Can we be real about this for a moment? Where it's like, oh, you know, I've done my bit. I've prayed for the youth to go out and tell people about Jesus, which means I'm spared the shame of doing it. Because that's what it comes down to. Are we embarrassed to share his name with people? Are we? I'm just putting that out there. Look, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just putting that out there. Okay? So, oh gosh, I've whizzed through everything. We'll be done in 10 minutes. Will we heck? I'm not silly. So are you with me? Yeah. We go into the world to make disciples. We go into all the world to make disciples of all men. That's what we're called to do. The great suggestion. Yes? No. The great commission is what Jesus called it. You know? And if you feel like it and you haven't got anything on, go into the world and make disciples of all men. No. It's, do you love me? You'll do as I say. So Jesus says... If you love me, you'll obey my commands. My command is this, that you would love each other. And, you know, Mark shared on Wednesday, prayer and praise was so powerful on Wednesday. I encourage you on a Wednesday, once a month, to come to prayer and praise. It is amazing. It is amazing what God is doing. And the privilege that we get to pray to him publicly together, corporately, brilliant. But, you know, Mark was sharing, we forget what is behind we press on, don't we? We press on and we press on and our goal is to love other people and to make their saviour known to them. Are we all on board with that? Are we? Or are we all really, really happy with our comfy lives? Which means that nobody makes fun of us for being a Christian. You know, oh, please don't let anyone find out I love Jesus. Oh my gosh. But you know, right, really, what is the worst thing that can happen? They call you a couple of names. Uh, you know what, we, we don't live in Aleppo where they will throw you off a building for doing it, you know, or behead you or other such unpalatable stuff that happens to other people in other countries. And isn't it marvellous? Let's pray for them. You know what, and I won't even walk into, ch- into my house until my kitchen fitted I'm a, I'm a Christian. He does know actually because he knows we're in church. His family are Christians, as it turns out. You know, he, hey, ABC, we're running a long time, haven't they? So, Huh? Huh? Yeah? Huh? What? Don't ask me any questions about Jesus. You know? I don't know if I know it. I don't know if I know the answers. You know? But do we? Do we? That is, that is the bottom line, isn't it? Is that we don't do it. 
Otherwise, this place would be full. Every other church would be full as well. We'd be, we would, really would be that army we talk about. Would, would, listen, if I'm saying something that's completely off beam, fair enough. Come and tell me over a cup of tea. But I really don't think I am. That's the point. I really don't think I am. And I don't think I'm telling any of you stuff you don't already know. So why aren't we doing it? <gasps> Insert answer here. You know? <laughs> Go home and mull it over. But the bottom line is, it's because I don't want to do it. If I'm really honest with myself, it's because it might make life a little bit difficult for me, so I don't do it. Got to get braver. Grow up. Man up. Do you know what I'm saying? It's time. It's time. And this brings us on to point two. Okay? This is the way Jesus deals with people. And don't you just love him for it? Jesus deals with people. So you've got now to go out. And he doesn't just judge people, does he? He will do. He doesn't say, these are the really terrible, shocking bridesmaids, and they didn't get to go in because they were awful and didn't care and didn't love. And I mean, like, all, all that happened was they didn't have their oil with them. They just weren't prepared. Are you with me? Can you see how simple this is? This is pips, isn't it? Get ready. Get ready. Ready yourselves with the shoes of the gospel of grace. Yes? You should be wearing your daps. You should be ready to go. At any time where somebody asks you what you believe in, you should be ready to give an answer. That's what we're called to do. And how God deals with the nations of the people is with equity. Not with equality, because that's what we're a bit hung up on in the 21st century, isn't it? Everything is about equality, equality, equality. The political correctness dictates that we must treat everybody the same. God doesn't say that. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says he will treat you with equity. Do you know the difference? Don't ask me, Andrea. I don't know if I do. Have you got the slide, Lee? I love this slide. Can you see it? This is equality versus equity. Equality is sameness. All right? So look, if you can see this picture, everyone's trying to watch a game. They're all stood in the same size box. Everyone's too short. They all got the same size box. Doesn't matter if some of them still can't see over. You all got the same size box. Equity means you get the box that means you can see. In another way. Do you get that? In another way, it's like this, right? Equality is if I buy you all a pair of shoes each. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Just talk. Right? But equity is if I bought all of you a pair of shoes each that fitted you. Got it? That's the difference between equality and equity. And I think it's brilliant if as a church we have a belief and a system and a mission that says this is what we do. But you have to be convinced inside yourself and know that when you are dealing with people, you are dealing with them equitably. Do you understand? The bottom line is love, isn't it? Some people are unlovable. Look at people like that. Oh, can't you just said that. But they are. I work with people who are not my colleagues. They're all lovely. Okay, we're a lush team. Right? But, you know, I work with young people. Some of them are unlovable. Their behaviors are unlovable. The tragedy and trauma that have been forced upon them by poor parenting and neglect and abuse have rendered them horrible. Because they will smash you in the face as soon as look at you because that means they don't have to emotionally invest in you. Don't have to be nice to you. You're only going to let me down anyway. 
So why should I even begin to be nice to you? And you get that right back. But you know what? Then you, some people are, and then there's, conversely, there's people who are easy to love, aren't there? So who do we gravitate to? The lovable people. The lovable people who take on board everything we say, who are lovely to be around, who you can have a cappuccino and a cupcake with. You know, the ones that take on, the ones that lap it up, that's easy to be with. We don't want to be with the people who test us and defy us and challenge us and abuse us. Abuse you verbally, abuse our good nature. We don't want to be with those people. But you know what? The love that we have for the lovable over here is the love we have for them. That's just as pure as the immense love you have to dig deep for here. Are you with me? It's equitable. It's not equal. Because if it was equal, I would do this sort of love here and it wouldn't work, so I would walk away. Are you with me? Do you see where you have to dig deep for the gospel? You have to dig deep for the love of Jesus. Because some people make you dig really, really, really deep for it. And it is hard work. Because as much as we like to think, you know, this church will be full of just really lovely middle class people who won't have any issues. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) That would be lovely. It won't be, will it? It will be full of people who we might find quite unpalatable. Suck it up, church. Suck it up. It's not about you. It's about your God in heaven. And as you are blessed by God to be a blessing to other people, when you bless other people, God himself is blessed. Right? It is cyclical and it goes round and round. If you are the dam, if you are the person stopping it, damming it up, then this person doesn't get blessed. Your father in heaven doesn't get blessed. It is pointless. The blessing that's happening between you two, if that isn't shed out abroad to other people, nothing. God's going, what's the point? What's the point? Okay, three praise reports. Three praise reports from YABC. Hallelujah. You better believe it. We've heard about Chris Alder this morning. Praise God, yes? Another person on Friday night told me, Andrea, I didn't have an apprenticeship. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to have to drop out of my second year in college. So I, and I'm quoting, had a cheeky pray. Right? (laughs) Next day in college, do you want this apprenticeship? Amen. Absolutely, yes. Next day, somebody tells me I got turned down for my EMA. Got turned down for my EMA, no money. £30 a week for going to sixth form, no money. That day, that person goes into their part-time job and their employer tells them, you're a good worker, you are. Do you want some more hours? You can have a bit more extra pay. Amen. Is that equal? No, but it's equitable. And God isn't just going, here's some extra cash for all of you fellas. He's saying, here are three opportunities to work really hard. Now work hard and I bless the work of your hands. That's what God says. If you're looking for blessing, what are you looking for? Because all of us, if we're honest, if we're honest, and I am quite possibly vainer than most people. I I, I own that. Good reason to be, look at it. Right, no, but, you know, like, I own it. I own it, okay? But if all I was looking for was for God to say to me, Andrea, you have been particularly awesome this summer. Uh, here's £100,000. Yeah, I would say, well, do you know what, Lord? You're right, and I'll take it because you said, God has spoken, Jesus said, right? But he doesn't bless like that, does he? He doesn't bless like that. And I mean, that's an extreme example, obviously. 
But if we're honest, we get a little bit disappointed with God when he doesn't come through like that, don't we? We get a little bit disappointed with God when he doesn't come through like, you know, giving us what we want. Come on. Come on. Time is short. Today is the day of salvation and we need to start being honest with ourselves. Okay? We are all a little bit, when we pray to God, we really, you know, we say, your will be done, Lord, as long as that's yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the will of God we're really happy with. You know, and if you could make that person who was mean to me really suffer, but in love, Lord. Um, but in love. Nothing too horrible happened to them. Just, just teach them a lesson. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, that, that, that's what we pray. That's what we pray. You know what the Bible tells us? You pray blessing on them. <gasps> and Lord God, I pray that you would bless them out of hand and that they would know you and see your hand in all that they do in Jesus' name. Amen. No, we don't pray it because we don't really want that prayer answered. Am I right? You know I am. Jesus says in the Bible, you don't get because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you don't ask right. We ask for us and for the lovable people to be blessed, the unlovable people, we say, could you change them, Lord? (laughs) Do you see, we're not equitable, but God is. Do you know, we are seeing amazing things happen in YABC. We appreciate your prayers, every single one of them. Could you pray more for us? And could you pray more for everyone in this church? You know what? Because we need to move on in power and get this, don't we? And, you know, I was minded on Friday night. I'll put it down here. You know, of... um, some passages of scripture. Where did I put it? It is on you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart. So it's up to us to check what the desires of our heart is. Be sure you know what the desire of your heart is. If the desire of your heart is a tiara, you probably won't get that. Just say in. The desire of your heart is to do the will of Jesus Christ in every, every possible and conceivable situation you are in. He will give you the desire of your heart. Yeah? Yeah? The other one? And Paul shared this on Friday night. Paul, where is Paul Rankin? Paul Rankin, amazing speaker. Yeah. Right? Amazing speaker. Changing the lives of young people on a Friday night. Bless you, Paul. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he will direct your path. Direct your path. So he gives you... See all these verbs? Isn't God amazing? Look how much he's doing. Doing words. God is never inactive. He's never passive. He's never distant. He's never remote. He is there in the middle of everything we're doing. And he says, you acknowledge me, I direct your path. It's a physical thing. And it's equitable. So your path is different to my path, but he will direct your path just as much as he is directing mine. Yes? So, but the key there is acknowledge. See, we have to do something. So God gives and pours out. You know what, with God, his cup isn't half full or half empty. His cup runs over. Yes? So we acknowledge him in everything we do, and he directs our paths to what we should do. Point three, I'm aware I am going on. Matthew Henry, in his commentary on the whole Bible, commentary on the whole Bible, this man wrote, in the 17th century. Lucky he didn't have Netflix. He'd never have got that done, would he? Be honest. Be honest. Lucky that happened back then. 
be like that. Commentary on a bit of the Bible by Matthew Henry. What he says is this. The torches are a profession of faith. So when you hold your torch, it is your faith going before you, illuminating the path for other people and pointing the way to the bridegroom who is Christ. That's what our torch does. So if your torch has sputtered out, I stress this is Matthew Henry's view of it. I'm just sharing it. What he says, that is indicative of a person who is not carrying the Holy Spirit with them. Because if you try to do it under your own steam, with this, and do you know what the curse of a 21st century belief system is, is that it's quite vague and quite nebulous and filled with all sorts of faux spirituality. It encourages that sort of stuff almost. It's very inward looking and self-obsessed as opposed to holding your torch aloft. You're a city on a hill, church. You're a light that can't be extinguished. Who extinguishes it? We do. I'll hide it. I don't want anyone to see my light. But if you hold your light aloft and you are powered by the same power that got Christ up from the grave, your torch should be burning bright, shouldn't it? But what Matthew Henry suggests is, is that when you run out, it's because you're doing it under your own strength and there isn't enough oil. You will be exhausted and your oil will run out and your flame will sputter out and you are therefore excluded from what is going on by yourself, by you. You're by yourself because you did it. Do you see that connection with Jesus, how vital it is? And it is a vital union, isn't it? It's vital. It brings life. Vitalis, it brings life. It brings light. So we need to have that within us, don't we? Otherwise, it's no point in having it around us. Jesus isn't a spiritual car wash. You know what? Get your sins cleansed away, but then go back out and get a bit mucky. Come back when you feel you need it. That's what lots of people do, isn't it? When they need a top up, they come back. When they, you know, when something calamitous happens, then they'll have a little pray. Cheeky prayer. My new favourite saying. But what we need to do is have that so deep within us. Like, you know, what we've heard this morning. Learning that. That's invaluable, isn't it? That when you stay connected to that source. Or if you haven't heard that podcast from Emily, please get it. It is, it, it is amazing. And everybody needs to know that. When you are connected to the source, nothing can break it. For I have loved you with an endless love, God says. And we are convinced of this, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, aren't we? Except for when I'm feeling a bit down. Except for when God's a bit slow in answering my prayer. Except for when they're playing a song I don't particularly like. Except for when I come in and uh, there isn't a cup of tea waiting for me. Uh, all of this stuff. All of this stuff. You know, I'm connected to the source until somebody's a bit mean to me in work. Or there's a bit of pressure in work. Or um, prayer and praise is on, but I don't want to miss the bake-off. We are. The, the, the struggle is real, people. <laughs> I know my mother, she loves Mary Berry. <laughs> she got bake-off. But you see... Do you see how fragile that connection is if you are not planted in Christ Jesus? It's frail, it's fragile, and you will fall away. Get yourself sewn in to the love of Jesus. Read his word. His word is a light unto your path. God directs your path, and he gives you a light for it as well. How great is God? How kind is God to us? He didn't have to do anything for us. Nothing, not one thing. He sent Jesus... 
forgive my sins and I'm not going to hell. Hallelujah. But then he says he'll bless me and love me and give me a gift. Excellent. Seems like a win-win situation, doesn't it? And yet we assure that. We don't want that when times are a little bit sticky or tougher. Now, I'm not saying we do that deliberately. I'm saying sometimes that is entirely subconscious, isn't it? Because we get caught up in our own feelings and our own um, beliefs. But it's about staying connected and knowing that you are connected. Can we put the verses back up, please? Are all right before we end? Because what I want to leave you with is an encouragement. The Bible is shot through with encouragements, isn't it? Shot through with encouragements. It's all about you, isn't it? It's a, again, you don't have to. Every word in this book points to Jesus, and yet God loves us with an endless love. What is that about? Co-heirs with Christ? I can't. I can't get my head around it. Why? It says, let us reason together. I can't. So I have to say thank you, and my life changes to reflect that. Yes? God is concerned about your life. Rest assured in that. He cares. He cares about what you do. He cares about what bothers you. He cares so much. But what he doesn't want is for you to move away from him because all of that means more to you than he does. And that's what happens sometimes, is I become so concerned with what I am going through, I forget that there's a father in heaven who is for me, not against me, who has a hope for me, a plan to give me a future, to prosper me. But because maybe it doesn't look how I want it to look, or it doesn't happen in the way I want it to happen, I get discouraged. And when I discourage, I disconnect. But you stay connected. The parables are more than just stories with the moral. I'm finishing with this. They're more than just stories with the moral. They're not Aesop's fables. They're more than that. They are about God at work in society and in the human beings in society to bring about effective change and his kingdom. Are you with me? And if they teach us anything, it is, you know, that God is not distant and resentful, but that he is actively at work in his people to make things different and to change things. And part of it is him just looking at us and saying, would you stop? Would you look? The kingdom of God is here and it's here now and it looks like this. So have a good week. Keep your torch shining. You are a city on a hill. You are not of those, Hebrews 11 says, isn't it? Hebrews 10, sorry. You are not of those who shrink back and fall away. You are those who are chosen and called and saved. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 59